you, Lord. Father, that every thought and idea that originates from the intellect and heart of man now will be dethroned, and that you, Holy Spirit, will come and speak to us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, help us to see, Father, the things that are not visible with a natural eye, and to hear the things that are not audible with a natural ear, Father, so that we can understand what it is that you're calling us to. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Welcome, Wayne and Susie. I weren't expecting you here today. Glad you're back safely. I want to speak on prayer this morning. And I think if anyone announces that they're going to speak on prayer, most people will try and take a nap. Because it's kind of a thing that people nap through. If you, if you have a prayer meeting, you get 10 people there at most, and it kind of dwindles until there's three or four meetings. Why? Because the others are taking a nap. And so I'm, I'm, just, I'm just being facetious. Please forgive me. Um, but prayer isn't one of the most popular, popular topics. But it's extremely important that we understand the role of prayer and what prayer is so that we can understand how it is that we can become people of powerful prayer. David heard God's voice very clearly. He wrote many, many psalms. And when you go through, especially some of the, the psalms that he wrote, you can see he had a very close and intimate relationship with his father from that. Praise the Lord, he wrote down those prayers, and we've got them today to celebrate. That's why it's important that we keep a journal of God's relationship with us so that we can, we can see what He's doing and it can be a heritage for our children and our children's children as we follow in their footsteps. I, I, in the third, three or four generations of people who served God and many of them full-time ministry, so I know what it is when I can look back. I mean, I've got boxes at my house I still don't know what to do with because it's, it's somebody's whole life. Their whole walk with the Lord has been, has been recorded and um, I picked up some books just to digress a little a moment. I picked up some, some, uh, one of the boxes the other day and I was going to go through it and I was going to take it to the dump. And I found letters that my dad had written when he was in his 20s to my mother. Can you imagine? I mean, the, the heart that came out in those letters. I was sitting there kind of weeping. Lord, thank you for a father that loved his wife, that had a wonderful relationship with her. My darling Ada, I'm longing to be with you <laughs> in, the, in the letters as they were separated for a while. And they had a long, long, long marriage. And so those things are important for us as we... And then, and then Saul, Saul was just before David was king. Saul came along and he was in a bit of a jam. Saul started, the relationship with the Lord started to deteriorate. More and more, he heard less and less of what God was saying. To him, and then he was in a in a in a in a jam. Philistines were camped against them. The Israelites, everybody was looking him for to leadership, and he said, "I can't hear God." He came to the place, and and he had a relationship with God, and he came to the place where he felt, and he and and the 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 um, Bible in one Samuel, I think it's eighteen somewhere around the or twenty eight. You can feel the panic. In, in his, what he's facing with the Philistines and everybody's asking him, what must we do? What must we do? And he starts to panic. 
And what does he do? He calls up a witch to come and tell him what God's saying. How, we, how far we can fall when we stop hearing the voice of God. Have got a relationship with him, stop hearing him, and then how far we fall when we stop hearing what he is saying spirit to spirit. Now, my roots are in Methodism, um, and I love John Wesley. I love to read his journals. One of the first ever accounts of a, of a deliverance session was, with, was in John Wesley's journals. Um, and um, when I, my introduction into the ministry as a, as a young, um, in my 20s, young man in my 20s, was, Dave, it's wonderful that you want to go into the ministry. Um, we want to welcome you to this, to the, the professional ministry, as it were. Here's a pile of books for you to read. And literally, it was like that. You will be examined on those three books then, those three books then, those three books then. And it was, it was this, this intellectual download that as a young man that I had to kind of endure. I got saved through a miracle. I was full to the Holy Spirit. I was speaking in tongues. I was on fire for God. And they, my intellect was hit full time. And then I found passages in Scripture, like in Revelation. You go to Revelations 2 and 3, where John is kind of introducing these churches and what God is saying to these seven different churches. And what does he preface every church that he's speaking to? What is his prep? What is his introduction? He who has an ear, hear what the Spirit is saying to. So the kind of deduction that I make when I hear that is that some, of us, some people have got ears and others haven't. It can't be these things because we've all born with them. So he's not talking about what we can hear with these ears. Those who have an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And so I find myself saying, Lord, help me to hear. I want to hear more clearly. I want to be able to hear that which is not obvious to the natural. Because you're speaking into the Spirit. You're saying we must be spiritually aware, spiritually alert, because God's going to speak to us, and then we must be able to hear what the Spirit is saying. So I want to preface what I want to share this morning with that. Prayer is not about going into a room, working through a list, and praying to God. It's more about, Lord, what must I pray for? And praying what God is busy with at that moment. Of course, there's times of, of um, intercession when we pray for other people and when we've got a burden for other people. And there's times where we, we've got needs that we can take them to the Father because He's a loving Father and He wants to, to care for our needs. But He knows what our needs are before we even ask Him, the Bible says. So there's no need to go to Him with this heavy shopping list of ours. But there is a need for us to hear what the Spirit is saying. So that we can pray what he wants us to pray. Hence he's given us the ability, tongues, to start to enter into that spirit domain where we can start hearing what the spirit is saying. Psalm 19. Let's just go read that psalm quickly, one of my favorite. The heavens proclaim 
the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make Him known. This is a prayer of David. They speak without sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth, their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom out of his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. The instruction of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making the wise, the, the wise and uh, sorry, making wise at the simple. Commandments of the Lord are light, bringing joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are clear; they give insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even the honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward to those who obey them, speaking to himself. They are a warning to your servant, great reward to those who obey them. How can I... Know all the sins lurking in my heart. Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sin. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth, and we all know this scripture, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's a couple of wonderful points that come out of this, and one can preach on it for a year. This isn't about law. It's not about restricting man to live according to a set of rules. Do you get that? It's not saying to us, you must do this, otherwise this and this, otherwise this and this, otherwise that. Yes, there, are, there is the, the Old Testament law that is recorded for us, but David in his relationship with God is not recounting the law because he's not, he's not saying, if I obey this, then God this. If I obey this, then God that, which the law often gives and religion often causes us to, to fall into the trap of. It's, 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 it's about living according to the precepts of God. When he, he speaks about God's decree. When do, God decrees something, it's not, it's not a, a, um, a, a command. I decree, I decree joy for my children. I decree prosperity for my children. I prepare, uh, decree safety for my children. You decree it because that's what you're overseeing at the time. So it's not, a, it's not a strict law that God is saying. God is saying to David, David, I am on your side and I'm pronouncing a decree over your life which you can walk in and enjoy my, my blessing. He speaks about instructions, instructions which is a training and exhortation and God... 
David says, this is how God speaks to, to me, to instruct me. Um, they are a, a warning to your servant, David says, these uh, instructions. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. What I see in that is that God is overseeing the, the joy, the prosperity, the security of living with Him. So it's not, it's not, as, it, it's not sometimes what we, what we think, it's God keeping us in line. God's decreeing victory over us through this, which is wonderful. We're on the side of victory. And maybe the first thing that we need to take note of when we, when we want to align ourselves with this God is that we need a place to meet Him. We need to make the effort to meet Him. You see, so often today, when someone says to you, um, uh, you you're battling with this, there's a book for that. You want, you want something? You're gonna, I've just read this book a little while ago. Go buy the book and read the book. Now, I'm not saying that there's not good books. There's wonderful books, and it's good for us to learn from them. But the minute that we elevate the intellect over the spirit, we're missing out on a life of victory and, and blessing. And so, and so we need to be very careful. I've been trying to say to myself, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit is saying. Not let him, let him hear what the what the intellect is saying, but let him hear what the Spirit is saying. You see, and you've heard me say it quite a, quite a few times, God speaks to us in many different ways, a variety of ways, through dreams, prophecy. There's a whole myriad of ways that God speaks to us. I, but if I, if I take a poll in, in this room today, if I take a poll, and it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a poll where there's no names mentioned, I wonder how many of us have really taken our dream seriously. I wonder how many of us say, I can't wait to put my head down because I want to hear God speak to me. You see, He speaks to us. The Bible is full of it. Jesus was saved through five dreams and visions. His life was saved. In other words, God chose a man and a woman who would dream and be, take their dreams seriously. Why? Because God is saying, I need you to hear my voice. I need you to be able to tune in to what I am saying. Yes, it, the dream was, was forecast. It was prophesied. In the Old Testament, right through the Old Testament, the birth of Jesus was prophesied. And all of the intellectuals went and read it up. But God didn't look for the one that had the time and the date and everything organized. God went and looked for the one that dreamt at night and listened to his dreams and understood his dreams. And that was the family that he, that he entrusted to the most incredible birth that has ever taken place on the face of this earth. I'm not saying this to put pressure on us. Folk, all of us don't hear enough and, don't, and, 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 not, and not too attentive enough to our dream, to our dream lives. But I, what I want to make an appeal today is, is don't devalue what's happening at different times in your life and ascribe it to too much stake or, 
or too much cheese or I, I, I saw a movie last night or whatever it might be. Don't just brush it off and ascribe it to something like that. Take it seriously. Write it down. And expect God to start speaking through your, your dreams. I've had some incredible times in trying to understand my dreams and, and the Lord warning me as far as my dreams were concerned. Raising my kids. I don't know how you raise teenagers without understanding your dreams. Um, dream needs a place. It needs, <clears throat> it needs us to make a decision <clears throat> to put a place aside for me to go and hear God. John Wesley, again, one of my heroes, was brought up in a family. I think there was 13 kids or something like that. And, <clears throat> and his mother was a, was a wonderful Christian woman. And she would go and sit in the middle of where there was chaos, usually, I suppose, with so many kids running around. And she'd take her apron and put it over her head. And everybody knew that's Mama's place. The, what flowed out of that was just blessing for the family. And so that was when, I mean, that was her place. I've got different places. I've got, I, I battled to hear the Lord in certain areas, certain circumstances. I've still, got to, I've still got to train myself, my spiritual ear to hear. But when there's a lot of people around me, I struggle to hear God's voice. When I walk into a situation that's a little bit more peaceful, God starts to show me things, and I can see, hear Him more clearly. Matthew 14, 20, 22, this is Jesus. Immediately Jesus made His disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of Him to the other side while He dismissed the crowd. After He had dismissed them, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, I've got to remind myself when I read a scripture like this, that this is Jesus. This is Jesus who was there at creation. This is Jesus, not just the man Jesus. This is God. And he found it necessary to be in tune with his dad, the creator of all of it. He found it necessary to be in tune with him. And the way he did it, was to dismiss the crowds, say to the disciples, off you go, I need to spend time with my Father. This is not saying a ritualistic prayer before we eat a meal. This is not just saying a quick prayer um, to punctuate something. I hate it when they ask me when you go somewhere and they say, David, won't you, do, won't you pray the prayer? And the people around you are not concerned about Jesus at all, but they just know that this starts with prayer, which is wonderful and I accept the, I accept the role. But I don't like it because everything around me says we're not expecting God to hear anything. We're just expecting you to fulfill a role and punctuate. Let's not punctuate our lives with prayer. Let's permeate our lives with prayer. Let prayer be something that we walk in and, and that we're constantly being aware of what God is saying in the lives of, of people. So Jesus looked for that, those quiet moments this is the environment I enjoy most, if I can get away and out and alone, where I've just got my heart beat that I'm hearing. That's where I'm happy, happiest, in, in the natural. Then, I, then when I start spending time with God, and I start praying in tongues, and I start spending time just seeking Him, got my Bible closed. I study at another time, got my Bible closed. I'll spend the first half an hour just meditating on who He is. 
scripture might come up. Meditate on the scripture. Then thoughts start coming up, which are, I mean, I've had amazing instances where I've spoken to people whose thoughts, whose names have come up, and they said, Dave, it's amazing. How did you know? That's how we start plugging in. Can we call it that? Plugging into the spirit domain, where God starts to have an open channel into our hearts. Mark 1 verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. <clears throat> Luke 6 verse 12, one of those days we, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray and spent the night praying to God. I remind us, again, this is God himself. This is Jesus speaking to his daddy. And his whole night he spent, we know, of course, the Gethsemane and the wrestling he had in Gethsemane with the role that he was going to fulfill, the pain that he was going to endure, that he saw long before it happened. And he knew the pain of the separation from his daddy as he took on the sins of the world on the cross. And we know the wrestling and agony. Why he was, all, he was feeling all of that. He was experiencing all of that actually before it happened. And we can only do that. I mean, it's not just by accident that it happened in Gethsemane, away from the crowds. His disciples were there, but they were pretty useless um, at that time. I mean, they all fell asleep. Jesus was going through this agonizing prayer, and the disciples all fell asleep. No wonder they said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, <laughs> when they saw the power that he had and the powerlessness that they felt at, on occasion. We need an attitude of dependence. Jesus, as we said, was God, but he needed, or he is God, he, but he needed to connect with his Father. He had a dependence on his Father. He was kind of saying, because of the way that we see him pray, he was kind of saying, I can't do this alone. I need my Father's voice. I need to hear what he is saying. When, um, when we go through life, generally what happens is we go through life merrily. We build up a kind of a routine in life, don't we? And often it includes prayer, often it doesn't. Often it, it, we pray five minutes in the morning, and maybe in the evening we'll pray another ten minutes or so. And that's, the, no wonder the Muslims kind of call Christians, one of the uh, nicknames for them is the prayerless ones. Because we don't generally pray much as Christians. And so we, we go through life like that. We build up a rhythm in life which generally excludes God. It includes the bank manager because that's what my life is about. It's about educating myself, getting a huge intellect, and going out and working, working myself to death, and then um, raising some kids, raising some grandkids. And so my life picks up this rhythm, generally just, um, generally just allowing God to be there. Now and again, we consult Him. When we need to. Now and again we'll have a discussion about him. Generally. It's too late when a crisis comes. Like Saul had. It's too late when that happens. And we've excluded God from our lives. Then to say, now we must pray. Now we must go and hear from God. Who can I ask? And a panic builds up. Which quietens that still voice of God inside. Saying to us, hey Dave, I'm still here. I'm still here. 
You see, it's prayer. prayer is not God helping us through a crisis. Prayer is building up an equity in our lives. It's building up through meditation the person, power, and presence of God who can go with us. That's what prayer does for us. It ensures that we go with God. It ensures that God goes with us in and through and through life. May I just remind us that we're going to be with Him forever. Some of us may be sooner than others. Be with Him forever. Maybe it's good that we hear His voice now, which is preparation for then. You know what I'm saying? This is just short. Maybe it's good that we are able to tune in to what He's what he's saying to us, so that we don't get surprised when we get there and find it's really not what we imagined. Jesus didn't have a powerful ministry because he was anointed by the Father to do a job, to come and die on the cross for us. It wasn't because he had a, he had a powerful ministry, because step by step, he walked with God. Step by step, he just saw, saw what the Father was doing and did it. And so he stayed in tune with what daddy wanted as far as his life on earth is concerned. And generally in prayer, prayer um, uh, getting into a little bit about the mechanics of prayer, prayer generally moves, if we want to pray with what God is saying, prayer moves from the physical to the spiritual. There's a Scripture in Amos chapter 8 that I love to quote, and there's quite a few in Jeremiah and all those old prophets, uh, and it's this kind of a scripture. This is what this, the sovereign Lord showed me. Now, this is God speaking to Amos in Amos chapter 8. This is what he's writing down, his prophecies. God, God sh showed this to me, and as he showed it to me, I've, I'm writing it down. And so he said, this is what the sovereign Lord showed me, a basket of ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos? He asked. A basket of ripe fruit, I answered. Then the Lord said to me, The time is ripe for my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. In that day, declares the sovereign Lord, the songs in the temple will turn to wailing. So yeah, Amos is behaving himself and praying. Obviously, connect in tune with what God is saying. And God interjects, and we can look at that process as well. There's a, there's a color screen in our minds that God, if we give him control of it, he can, he can show us what he wants us to see. We start to see a vision, we might see an image of something, and this is exactly what's happening to Amos. God says to him, Amos, he just wipe the screen a little bit, what are you seeing? What are you seeing, Amos? I'm seeing this ripe fruit baskets of ripe fruit. In uh, Jeremiah, he has a similar experience of two baskets. God says to him, what do you see? I see two baskets. It's like God saying to him, listen, I want to speak to you, but I want you to be able to understand what I'm saying because I'm giving you connection for what I want to say. In Matthew 13, verse 10, the disciples came to him, to Jesus, and asked, Why do you speak to people in parables? He replied, listen to this, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, speaking to the disciples, but not to them. 
The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom. In other words, you're with me. And I'm sharing with you what's happening. We, we, we're talking. But not with them. Not with the, with the general crowd. Whoever has will be given more. And he will have an abundance. He's not talking about money here. He's talking about revelation of the kingdom. Whoever does not have, even that which he has will be taken from him. In other words, with them, if they haven't got and they're not seeking, they, even that they're going to lose. This is why I speak to them in parables. Jesus said, this is the reason I'm speaking to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. God wants us to hear. He wants us to be able to understand what he's saying. That's why he talks about sowers going out into the field. And he says to people, this is what the this." And he takes his disciples aside and he said, this is what the parable of, this is what the story of the sower means. You've seen the parable. You've seen the pictures. You've seen the stuff which I'm trying to get your attention. Now I'm going to tell you secrets of the kingdom. This is what it means when you see those things. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that we can be privy to what's happening in heaven right now? By just understanding. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to him. Matthew 7 Verse 18 says, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. And Jesus isn't speaking here about being a farmer. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so, his disciples start taking note, so, you can identify people by their actions. What's he talking about? Not, not trees. He's not talking about trees. He's not actually talking about fruit. He's talking about people. And he's talking about unfruitfulness of us walking through life, being unfruitful. And so, when the Lord speaks to us, he will interject your thoughts and my thoughts often with practical things, with stuff that we see, and then as we start giving him our spirit more and more. I mean, I wrote a journal when we went through the Kruger that time, and uh, the Lord started to speak to me about going into the ministry again. You, I don't know if you've read it. If you haven't, I'd love to share it with you if you'd like to see it. But it's like everything I saw, Jill wasn't with me. At the time, for three weeks. And it was the most intense time I've ever had with the Lord in a stretch. Because everything I saw, he brought reference to. Everything I saw, he started to speak about the spiritual worth of it. And so I want to encourage us. When we go through life, let's not just see what we see and hear what we hear. Allow God to penetrate our thoughts. Allow Him to interject our thoughts with something that will get our attention into the spirit domain. 
into the spirit realm. He's longing to speak to us. That's why we dream. That's why we have visions. But above all, when our ears are tuned to hear from Him, in prayer, we can pray powerful and productive prayers. And Father, I want to thank You that You've given us ears to hear. Thank You, Lord, that You, that you by Your Spirit help us to understand what You are saying to us. Help us to know what it is, Lord, and walk in step with you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, and I know, gathered yet today, are many gifts, many powerful gifts that you have for your body, for your church at this time. I want to pray, Lord, that, that you will attune our ears so that we don't go home not knowing what it is that our role is. Some of us are gifts of healing that the sick will stay sick if we don't activate those gifts and exercise those gifts, Father, so that people can get whole again. Some people have got gifts of prophecy, Father. I want to pray, Father, that you'll stimulate those gifts amongst us so that we can hear what it is that you're saying to us as a corporate body as well, Lord. Stimulate those gifts, Father, as we spend time with you in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord.